Welcome to Lost in Revision. All of our content is public domain, literature, fairy tales, and folklore. Our goal is to at least break even to cover our expenses. So any support that you can offer to help us reach that goal helps keep this podcast going and you entertained. All of our music is by Nathan Hubble and is used with his permission. Thanks and enjoy the show. Chapter 13. The Hound's Grandfather. Part 4. There was a longish interval. The boots and the voice did not come down again. Who can it possibly be? They kept on asking themselves and each other. Perhaps, said Peter at last, Dr. Forrest has been attacked by highwaymen and left for dead, and this is the man he's telegraphed for to take his place. Mrs. Viney said he had a local tenant to do his work when he went for a holiday, didn't you, Mrs. Viney? I did so, my dear said Mrs. Viney from the back kitchen. "'He's fallen down in a fit, more likely,' said Phyllis. "'All human aid despaired of, and this is the man who's come to break the news to Mother.' "'Nonsense,' said Peter briskly. "'Mother wouldn't have taken the man up into Jim's bedroom. Why would she?' "'Listen, the door's opening. Now they'll come down. I'll open the door a crack.' He did. "'It's not listening,' he replied indignantly to Bobby's scandalized remarks. Nobody in their senses would talk secrets on the stairs. A mother can't have secrets to talk with Dr. Forrest's stableman, and you said it was him. Bobby, called Mother's voice. They opened the kitchen door, and Mother leaned over the stair railing. Jim's grandfather has come, she said. Wash your hands and faces, and then you can see him. He wants to see you. The bedroom door shut again. There now, said Peter. Fancy us not even thinking of that. Let's have some hot water, Mrs. Viney. I'm as black as your hat. The three were indeed dirty, for the stuff you clean brass candlesticks with is very far from cleaning to the cleaner. They were still very busy with soap and flannel when they heard the boots and the voice come down the stairs and go into the dining room. And when they were clean, though still damp, because it takes such a long time to dry your hands properly, and they were very impatient to see the grandfather, they filed into the dining room. Mother was sitting in the window seat and in the leather-covered armchair that father always used to sit in at the other house sat their own old gentleman. Well, I never did, said Peter, even before he said, how do you do? He was, as he explained afterwards, too surprised even to remember that there was such a thing as politeness, much less to practice it. It's our own old gentleman, said Phyllis. Oh, it's you, said Bobby, and then they remembered themselves and their manners and said, how do you do, very nicely. This is Jim's grandfather, Mr., said Mother, naming the old gentleman's name. How splendid, said Peter. That's just exactly like a book, isn't it, Mother? It is rather, said Mother, smiling. Things do happen in real life that are rather like books sometimes. I am so awfully glad it is you, said Phyllis. When you think of the tons of old gentlemen there are in the world, it might have been just about anyone. I say, though, said Peter, you're not going to take Jim away, though, are you? Not at present, said the old gentleman. Your mother has most kindly consented to let him stay here. I thought of sending a nurse, but your mother is good enough to say that she will nurse him herself. But what about her writing? said Peter, before anyone could stop him. There won't be anything for him to eat if mother doesn't write. That's all right, said mother hastily. The old gentleman looked very kindly at mother. I see, he said. You trust your children and confide in them. Of course, said mother. Then I may tell them of our little arrangement, he said. Your mother, my dears, has consented to give up writing for a little while and to become a matron of my hospital. Oh, 
said Phyllis blankly. And shall we have to go away from three chimneys and the railway and everything? No, no, darling, said Mother hurriedly. The hospital is called Three Chimneys Hospital, said the old gentleman, and my unlucky Jim's the only patient, and I hope he'll continue to be so. Your mother will be matron, and you'll be a hospital staff of a housemate and a cook, till Jim's well. And then will mother go on writing again? asked Peter. We shall see, said the old gentleman, with a slight, swift glance at Bobby. Perhaps something nice may happen, and she won't have to. I love my writing, said mother very quickly. I know said the old gentleman. Don't be afraid that I'm going to try to interfere. But one never knows. Very wonderful and beautiful things do happen, don't they? And we live most of our lives in the, in the hope of them. I may come again to see the boy. Surely, said Mother. And I don't know how to thank you for making it possible for me to nurse him. Dear boy. He kept calling Mother, Mother in the night, said Phyllis. I woke up twice and heard him. He didn't mean me, said Mother, in a low voice to the old gentleman. That's why I wanted so much to keep him. The old gentleman rose. I'm so glad, said Peter, that you're going to keep him, mother. Take care of your mother, my dears, said the old gentleman. She's a woman in a million. Yes, isn't she, whispered Bobby. God bless her, said the old gentleman, taking both mother's hands. God bless her. I and she shall be blessed. Dear me, where's my hat? Will Bobby come with me to the gate? At the gate, he stopped and said, You're a good child, my dear. I got your letter, but it wasn't needed. When I read about your father's case in the papers at the time, I had my doubts. And ever since I've known who you were, I've been trying to find out things. I haven't done very much yet. But I have hopes, my dear. I have hopes. Oh, said Bobby, choking a little. Yes, I may say great hopes. But keep your secret a little longer. Wouldn't do to upset your mother with false hope, would it? Oh, but it isn't false, said Bobby. I know you can do it. I knew you could when I wrote. It wasn't a false hope, is it? No, he said. I don't think it's a false hope, or I wouldn't have told you. And I think you deserve to be told there is a hope. And you don't think Father did it, do you? Oh, say you didn't think he did. My dear, he said, I'm perfectly certain he didn't. If it is a false hope, it was nonetheless a very radiant one that lay warm at Bobby's heart, and through the days that followed lighted her little face as a Japanese lantern is lighted by the candle within. Thanks for joining us today. Check us out on Patreon. You can help us meet our small goal of breaking even and covering our expenses. Your support helps pay for all of the things that podcasting requires and helps keep this show alive and growing. If you can't afford to support us financially, go give us a good review, subscribe or follow, and share with your friends and family. Feel free to fact check us and offer suggestions to make our show better for you. You can also send us an email at lostinrevisionpodcast at gmail.com. There's a lot more waiting for us all at the end of the road.